0: Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot and if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace.
1: Well, here I am again. <laughs> Good morning. It's it's always great to come here. I love this I love I love the drive over and from Vancouver and um, to greet, be greeted by you folks. Thank you for inviting me. We live in, a, in the best of times and in the worst of times at once. We seem to be living under a blanket of fear and, and worry and powerlessness and hurt and disbelief and anger. The press shouts that the economy is the best it has been in years, yet Underneath, there are different stories and some worrying things going on. It never hurts to revisit, reflect upon, and recommit to our values in a time when many have been called into question on our national stage. What was unthinkable has become part of everyday norm. Lying, cheating, and disregard for the rule of law. Our daily lives governed by sound bites on TV and the internet. What has not been okay now seems to be. It is time to reflect on who we are in light of the desperation of so many who seem to be left behind. The immigrants trying to come here, children in cages, increasing homelessness, breakdown of family, crime, drug addiction, and our concern for our vets. We worry about who we are in the world and what is happening to our country. We watch protections for our resources, water, air quality, education standards for our children, national treasures of open space and parks. Our food supply and the health of the planet seem to be dismantled. We are expanding prisons, crushing student debt. The stress is increasing on families. Women's health and protect and reproduct- reproductive rights are at risk. Increasing housing costs with reduced resources threatened for elderly and children. We watch as so much we have believed in, fought for, and cherished has been stripped away. I know this sounds pretty grim to start off with, but I just felt that I had to lay out that, the, the, the questions that we will be working with. How do we lift up the statements by this fellowship and the UUA to give us hope, direction, and steadiness to manage our course in these times? We have some serious questions to look at as individuals and as a fellowship, as you use in this nation and in this world community. Let us begin with what is the mission of this fellowship? The mission is stated, it is the stated intention of this spiritual community. It is to create a thriving sanctuary, engage all generations in spiritual dialogue and growth, work with our local community in building a just and harmonious world. We also have a covenant, and the covenant is a collective promise to each other and the group as a whole. It blends with the mission of this fellowship when one decides to become part of the fellowship they formally enter into this covenant. Our covenant has the elements of listening to each other, honoring our diversity, sharing who we are, engaging with each other, and accepting responsibility. These elements are to build and nurture this beloved community with the right relations to each other and something greater. There are no creeds or doctrines in the UU faith but with the guidance of the seven principles and the six living traditions along with the mission covenant and vision of this fellowship we're directed to affirm life and embrace its mysteries with time tested loving and generous relations with each other and the wider local and world community Every time I read the declarations of our faith, and there have been many times, I'm struck by the wisdom of them. They're virtually words to live by personally, and they define and encourage what it is to create and live in a loving community. They are a personal, ethical, moral, political, religious and spiritual roadmap to build and maintain character. Character can be defined as possessing honesty, fairness, compassion, empathy, integrity, and inclusiveness. The living traditions are inclusive and are an invitation to all to be welcomed. They are a foundation and a recognition of who we are. Few of us are born UUs. Most of us come from other traditions and have found our way to this fellowship. The six living traditions recognize that coming from other religious and spiritual experiences, we can learn from each other. And with open minds and the generous spirit of curiosity and acceptance, we can welcome others. We can learn from them and deepen our understanding of the mysteries of life. I now invite us to visit the seven principles of Yu. I consider them the very heart of who we are and who we aspire to be. Just a beginning, we all will need to reflect and need this will need more thought, reflection, and discussion. The seven principles are very political in the light of the times we live in. There are many forces within us individually and outside of us collectively that are in opposition to these seven principles. I thought I'd try something a bit different today. I'd like for us to be interactive throughout this whole um, service not just at the discussion at the end. I want us to share our thoughts and ideas. The UUA has recommended a study of who we are as UUs to happen over the next two years. It could not be more timely. We often need to revisit our declarations of who we are, what we stand for, and then take some time to reflect and determined if we are doing all we need to do. Today's service is just a small part of the work that we're called upon to do. We'll have time to discuss each of the seven principles. I will present a principle, make a brief comment, then one of you will read the question or statement for discussion. I'm hoping for some lively discussion now, I know that you use are not shy, and I will keep track of the time for each discussion. If a statement or question needs more time, we'll continue after the service closes and during the coffee hour. I hold the right to stop any conversation if it is off topic or is not upholding our stated principles. We'll begin with our first principle, number one, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. These are noble words. But can I live them? I was recently tested when I sat to be on a jury for a child rapist. This man was accused of repeatedly raping an eight-year-old girl. He had 10 counts against him. Oh, I wanted to believe he was misguided, mentally ill, selfish, but not totally without worth or dignity as a human being. This was a true test for me. I have six granddaughters. And for a number of days, this man, my contempt for his acts and his experience and this experience was in my mind. I wrestled with my feelings in light of my belief. I must admit, I wanted to be on the jury so I could convict him so he would have great punishment. I was not picked to be on the jury. And in a way I'm glad because I would have had to listen to many, many days, the trial went on for six days, of six days of testimony on this subject. But I later called the court and found out that he was convicted on all ten counts. I still wrestle with my conflicts, but I was glad that justice happened. He will never leave prison and hurt another child. Whoever has question number one, will they please read it?
2: Can you cite a time when you were tested?
3: So now you you're opening
1: that up for discussion. Yes. Is that Please, right? Yes. Please, anybody who has a an, a story, a statement, whatever, a comment.
4: Homelessness and seeing people that are homeless, and it's it's such a challenge for me to try to be compassionate and see people's worth and. And I always try to keep that in my heart, and and I try not to be negative or derogatory or point my finger, or and and I'm trying to demonstrate to my child that they're still people and they're still mm-hmm. valuable, and and maybe they're sick or maybe whatever that you know, yeah. But that challenges every sense. Like every time I see a bunch of homeless people, or like I see a homeless camp or something, it it's it pushes me. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a test.
4: It's a test, mm-hmm. and and yeah. hopefully it's something I can overcome or it's something I can live with and teach my children to be compassionate Mm
1: -hmm.
4: and see the inherent worth and dignity of everybody.
1: Anyone else?
2: Yeah. I've thought of this, um, actual principle before and how I perceive it. And, and my test is when I think of, um, people in the world who have caused so much pain or grief, if I think about a human being like Adolf Hitler, um, even even in the political arena, people who I feel are, um, are doing things politically for their own gain and harming others. And I think, can I see the inherent worth and dignity in that human being? And that is my test. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the way I look at it is I think that that person may not have value to me. I'd be happy if they never walked another step on this earth. However, that person has, hopefully has some worth to someone else. That's some mother's child or that's some parent of someone. So to someone else, that person does have worth. Mm-hmm. even if I don't find it personally, and that's where I'm at. I don't know if that's good or bad, but um, I mm-hmm. struggle with people that can cause
1: so much harm. Mm-hmm. I definitely understand that.
2: Hi. Um, I work in a hospital, and while illness is the great equalizer, uh, as a therapist... It can be difficult because you've got patients that are doing every single thing they can to get well. And then you've got patients who are doing
1: absolutely nothing for themselves to get well. And you need to treat them all with the same energy and the same expertise. And the outcomes don't parallel Mm -hmm. the patient's desires always and the therapist's desires. But every time you walk in the room, You have to hope that this is going to be the best session that each patient has had. Mm -hmm. But it's tough, depending on who the recipient is. I know that uh, there there are many challenges with this number one in our inherent worth and dignity. Anybody else have any comments? One more.
2: I heard this from Carl Rogers many years ago, 40 years ago. Um, He was a psychologist, and um, he believed that in each person, like a plant, there was something reaching for the light. But some people were in such darkness that they could hardly find any light, Mm -hmm. and they would get twisted and stunted mm-hmm. in their search for the light, but still there was some little spark in there mm-hmm. that was reaching for the light. That's what I try to remember, is that image.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is Madeline down here?
3: I'll make this short... Um, as I had a career as a high school teacher. And um, in French class, I needed students to be with partners to, to have conversations in French. Um, and I would always assign them a partner. And if they were trying to trade partners to be with someone who was popular or whatever, I squelched it every time.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Telling the kids, everyone is a good partner. Everyone you can work with, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I did that part pretty well. But now that I'm an adult, I notice other things about myself, and that is, I don't always do the inherent worth and dignity of every person right. Mm-hmm. But at least I can see that now. Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't think we can we can come to any individual conclusions. I think that, that that particular number one is laid out for us to continue as a continued growth issue where we look at this, we reflect on it. We sometimes make bad judgments, we sometimes don't, you know. But I think that it's a, um, it's a principle we strive for. We don't always make it every time, but it's worth thinking about. Yeah. Okay, I'll go on to number two. Unless anyone's burning with desire to speak on number one. No? Okay. Number two, justice, equality, justice, equality, and compassion in human relations. There are so many violations of justice and lack of equality, equal access to minority folks and poor folks in the U.S., and around the world, in courts, voting, workplace, the environment, education, health care. Justice is equal access to all of the above. Compassion means treating each other and all humans so they are not made to appear or feel less. When I was called to be considered to sit on that jury, so many folks I told about it, that I was poss- possibly could be picked, told me how to get out of it. I was shocked. I mean, I wanted to serve, even if it was tedious, time-consuming, and emotionally difficult. I believe in our system of justice, and how could I state I believe in it if I refuse to participate? Number two. Would you like to read it?
5: How can we address these issues of justice and its
1: unevenness and equality when we know the playing field for so many is not even?
6: in Salem and I have a 45 minute drive after working long shifts this morning I was driving home been up all night and so I listened to podcasts to stay awake and I was listening to something Radio Lab or something and I, I was listening to an incredible we've all probably heard some version of this story, the story of how Ruth Bader Ginsburg took what was supposed to be the ERA and turned it into real Change, mm-hmm. and the strategy, and the thinking, and the the close deliberation that she brought to that fight, mm-hmm. and um, you know, people coming to her and, and the ACLU and saying, "Lesbian rights," you know, that just that, that everyone—we had a list a mile long. We'd been trying to pass the RA for so long, and she said, "Not yet, not yet," and she started actually fighting for men's rights. That was her way in. And I thought that was such a, I've heard that story several times and every time I sort of forget and go, right, she did that. How brilliant. Start where people are. Um, start with what's precious to them. And you know, go to the deciders and wherever they are, look at what's precious to them and, and resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then take, keep taking steps.
1: Yeah, I think there has to be a vision. She had to have a roadmap for where she was going. She could see the end. Yeah, great. Anybody else? Okay. How can we be examples of compassion without
3: action? stumped a group of you use <laughs> stumped them <laughs> yeah right.
1: you know, that that that's another part that requires some some thinking and thinking of our own personal life how can we how can we um, be examples of compassion certainly maybe in our families who are having issues or difficulties neighbors community yeah Action is interpreted also. Um,
0: I think one, one way that a person could see that is, is, is especially in terms of privilege. That sometimes I think the action of compassion is inaction. Is that when, when we are seeing communities who have been marginalized and their voices taken away, sometimes it's stepping back and giving space and not doing a thing for a person. But creating space so that they can speak for themselves and do for themselves and and Mm -hmm. claim claim the space that's been taken from them and that from a point of privilege uh, that in all involves inaction it involves Mm -hmm. you know the strength to say I I'm gonna I trust you I trust you to do something for yourself.
3: I was just thinking about the Buddhist meditation where metta is involved. Metta is sending out compassionate thoughts to people in your life and people in the wider world who uh, who need your compassion. So just by mm-hmm. keeping them in mind and sending out right. those good thoughts. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it also could mean uh, an investigation of our
5: own beliefs. When Jusun said privilege, I know I'm working on that a lot in myself uh, mm-hmm. to find and recognize those blind spots where I um, uh, have a long-held belief about something and I'm operating out of that belief and don't even realize it. Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely,
1: I would say this. well look at the program, the the order of service this morning. All of the things that these that you people are doing. I mean, with, with the with the environment and and um, all the all the. Let me get this out here. Yeah, look at your look at your announcements. Look at all the things you're doing, trying to fight for justice. I mean trying to fight for um, talking about climate change, talking about um, things to learn, um, getting getting men's groups together, women. I mean this is we we should celebrate who who you are. You're doing it. You're doing it what you can, how you can. I'm sure everyone here gives to some organization um you know, some charitable organization that's doing the good work for you, then you can't do it yourself. But all the, those are actions. Right, those and are I all actions. And I think
2: even what you're talking about, stepping back mm-hmm. and allowing, that's an action.
1: Yep, You're taking the action of stepping back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't see how you can do it without action of some kind. Right, well, whether it's listening to others.
3: That's an action. That's
1: an action, yeah.
3: I think the confusion is, did you mean to write how, compassion with action? Because it said inaction on your question. I think that's a confusion. How can in.
1: we be an example of compassion without action?
3: Oh, with and
1: so we're interpreting action in different ways here. We're talking about inaction being action. We're talking about different kinds of action. Okay? That's a, that one needs to be thought more, too. Let's go on to number three: the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We live in a technological age, as never before. The worst of times and the best of times are played out. This is number three. Oh, number three is what? Okay, I'll read. I'll re-re-align re, re, those. Okay, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. Our congregations and fellowships are always eclectic groups. Most people are not born UUs and our children's programs are small and we often lose our kids when they're in high school. Most adults who discover UU and those that stay find something satisfying. Most come from other traditions and, no, and that are no longer... Fitting their needs. Some stay and some move on. Without being centered on a religious figure or entity, it takes work to develop spiritual growth as the spiritual is so personal. As congregations work to develop spiritual growth, they need to be creative, experimental, and traditional all at once. Who'd like to read number three, which is number four. <laughs> number four? Okay, we're we're doing number four right now. Who's got number oh. four? Yes. My mistake.
3: How would you rate this fellowship is doing in this area? What is really good and what is missing? I wonder if you could say a little more? I've lost that in the context of the principle. Do you mind? (laughs) No,
1: No. I was talking about how we come from different traditions um, and we need to develop spiritual growth, which is basically quite personal. And so how do we, as a congregation, work to develop that spiritual growth in each other? And they, it needs to be creative, experimental, and traditional all at once.
4: I think the men's group has been particularly important for me to grow as a man and to grow as a community member and to grow as a member of you know, searching for enlightenment and searching. Like the men's group has just been so wonderful to see. Um, I don't know, there's just so much there that, that takes place. And I think we all kind of push each other and drag each other. It's uh, great. It's really a great opportunity.
1: Wonderful. So that's, that's one of the areas. Yes, Ken?
7: I have a concern we're doing on how we accept each other. Sometimes people will say something like, oh, Jesus was a myth. And I, I know there might be somebody in the circle that has kind of a relationship with, they, they just haven't like, they still, that Jesus being real is important to them. And mm-hmm. doesn't matter what they think about Jesus in what way. So acceptance is kind of being aware of each other, getting to know each other and tread lightly on what we don't believe, I guess. I don't know. Just kind of yeah. being circumspect around what I do believe This, mm-hmm. and, and, and put it in terms of, man, the nature lights me up and, 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 and not say that, that Jesus thing is a drug or, you know, something like that.
1: Right. You could... You can always ask for more explanation and expansion if somebody, if somebody mentions that, they're, um, that they have a tr- Christian tradition and it's not yours. This is a learning experience, a possibility, an option. Yeah. And I think that's, that's living the principle of being kind and open and generous to each other.
5: All right. Um, not, not long ago, there was great concern in my family about my 14 year old grandson. And um, I think uh, this is just a side note introverts tend to be terribly misunderstood in our society. <laughs> but um, I ran across David Thoreau's uh, little uh, saying about marching, he marches to his own drummer. And so I presented that to my family, and um, all of the concern just disappeared that this fourteen year old is marching to his own drummer, and that's my been my mantra since then when I see folks doing anything that seems a little different. He's marching to his own drummer yeah it's, I think it's
1: the celebration of all our diversity you know we we, we don't celebrate. We sometimes judge instead. Now I'm going to have to rush us through the rest. I was just told by the chief here.
6: We could be here for a while. It's great discussion, though. Great yes. discussion. Good.
1: Okay, free and responsible. Truth, search for truth and meaning. And I basically, in on this one, I was talking about how challenging it is right now to find the truth in our... Um, in our press, on in our sound bites, and and I believe in a free press, so I t- have to be responsible to read a lot, to listen a lot, to find it. I mean, it's like these little little gems we'll find there somewhere. I have I have, as you all know, my three-year-old granddaughters, and occasionally when it's raining, we'll watch some television. I was we were looking through cartoons the other day. So many are so violent and others are so mean that even my little pony is like mean and nasty now. I mean, Amen. yeah. So how, so this is so not only our, for ourselves finding the truth, we have to work for our kids too. Okay, that one can be for another time unless somebody has a quick comment. Okay, you quick comment.
4: I yeah, I hear you. Truth, truth sounds to me absolute. You know, mm-hmm. I would, I would say a search for what is true and meaningful, responsible search for what is tr- true and meaningful, rather than truth. As soon as you make yep. it an absolute, you know, that's where problems come in. True.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> true.
4: <laughs>
1: How? Yeah, but it is a, the point is is it's a search. It's a search, and you and you really, if you're going to be a, a citizen in this in this world and in this in this congregation anywhere, the search is the 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 important piece. Okay, the right to conscious conscience, and the use of the democratic process in our congregation, and in society at large. This is an issue obviously we're we're working and dealing with on the national stage right now, but we as as you use have a unique um, opportunity we are a democratic group, and we practice it and which fortifies how we will work in the rest of the world. most of them my colleagues many of my colleagues that I talk to they have higher-ups who tell them who's going to be and what, what pulpit, when, and what they're to say and do. They have pres- prescribed things. We're not. We're much open more and freer than that, which is a real gem. gives us an opportunity to um, deal with this messy and time-consuming thing called democracy. Does anyone have any? And that was number five. Who's reading number five?
5: <laughs> Do you feel there are threats to our democracy and how should we address it personally and as a congregation and a denomination?
1: That's a whole day. <laughs> right, Remember, now I want you to all remember this was an experiment, right? Um, And uh, then I really, we're going to have to listen to that one and another time we'll have to deal with that. And I'm sure we do all the time. (laughs) Yes, yes, definitely. And it's something if we've we've got to look personally to see, is this something that I believe in, I want to keep, I want to have happen? And how can I change my behavior so that it does? Um, And do you, let's see, the goal of the world community is with peace and justice, and we all accept that one. And number six, would you read number six?
5: Yes, where do we, as a small fellowship in the rural or exurban area of Oregon, help with this? Yeah.
1: How do we help with the goal of the world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all? That's another whole day discussion, isn't it? These principles are really thought-provoking and and with, you know, it's easy to read them every Sunday and kind of go over them in a kind of a rote way, but I do think that over the next two years, as the UUA has directed, if we look at each one really carefully, we'll learn a lot. And the last one, what do we do to preserve the web of life? Oops, that's, I'm reading the thing here. The, the web of life, talking about the web of life. Basically, what I'm talking about is, I said there's a, there's a ride at Disneyland called It's a Small World After All. And when we step back and listen and learn, there's a lot of that's universal. We all want family, no matter whether, what religious tradition, where we live, where, who we are family, health, opportunity, we want safety, we want a community, and a place to live in dignity. These are universal. And we also, if we cannot breathe, if we cannot grow food, the implications of a possible future are vastly diminished. So one of our number one things has to be the environment. Number seven, I read, well, read the question just so that we got it there. I've got two minutes left.
3: What do we need to do to preserve the web of life? Are we making progress?
1: Anyone who, want to address great, yes, we should. We should pay attention and do I'm on the way over, I was listening to a a brief comment about what's going on in eastern Iowa and northern northeast Nebraska. I mean, it's going to take forever to recover, and that's part of the breadbasket of this country. So we've got some challenges ahead of us. And um, one of the things that I do is I grow a garden. And I grow a garden. I have 30 boxes, and I grow enough for my neighbors, myself, my family, and that's my contribution to the web of life, and hopefully that, um, you know, we can, if we have nutritious food, we can think better, act better, and be better. Yes, compost, compost. (laughs) (laughs) And I have chickens who help me do that, too. Okay, this has really been great, and I'm coming in just exactly as she told me to. Thank you for everybody for your efforts and your input. And um, we'll hopefully we'll keep working on these over the next two years, learn a lot, think a lot, and um, gain a lot from it. Thank you.